0: Hey coaches, and welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. For all the up-to-date information on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association, you can visit our website at www.or.nhsbca.org. Welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast.
1: I'm Derek Duman, OBCA Secretary and Boys Basketball Coach at West Albany High School. Today, I'm joined by Kip Ione, men's basketball coach at Willamette University. Coach, how you doing today?
2: Ah, just like we talked about before, just getting used to the new normal, being at home a lot and enjoying the family and hoping I'm not driving them too crazy being here.
1: Yeah, no, no kidding. I think we're all kind of feeling that, that same way. Uh, thank you for for taking the time to, uh, to speak with us today. Uh, can you... For maybe people that aren't familiar with you uh and kind of your basketball background, uh, can you share kind of how you got into coaching and, and then how you ended yeah. up at Willem University?
2: Absolutely. You know, I'm originally from Billings, Montana Uh and both my parents are career educators. And my dad was a 40 year high school and college coach. So I think my, my brother and I both like to tell people it was kind of, there was no choice. It was in our DNA to be coaches. Although if you ask the young me, I would have said there's no way, they don't make enough money. Uh but here I am, right? So I you know, I got recruited to Willamette University uh by Hall of Fame coach Gordy James. Uh, you know, ended up playing and then right when I was done in two thousand one I went to the Willamette M A T program to get my master's degree in teaching and Gordy offered me a spot um on his staff that first year I was done playing and so I I did eight years as his assistant. And then I was lucky enough when he retired after 23 seasons to, to, to get the head job and, and get the big chair, so to speak. And I just finished up my 11th year as the head coach of Willamette.
1: No, oh, that's awesome. Um, for, for coaches that maybe are interested in, in making the jump to the next level. I, I know that you have some assistants that were, were high school coaches yep. and have made the jump. Uh What kind of suggestions or, um, can you kind of describe how they would do that?
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it, it is all knowing people at the right place in the right time. Um, I think it's definitely being a career learner that is the best way to do the networking. I'm not a person, even when I was an assistant, you know, everyone has probably told you who do you know, how do you know them, you know, how can you utilize your network, but I was never good at that. I was never like, let me go introduce myself to a group of five random coaches and just strike up a conversation. That wasn't my strength, so what I tried to do was provide value and proof of my abilities through asking questions, whether it was email, phone calls, letter writing, and it seemed so ancient to go. You know, in 2003, 2004, I was still writing letters to coaches about offense, to coaches about defense, to coaches about recruiting, you know, working camps, working clinics, and then in those settings where you're more comfortable and you're more yourself, Uh, you probably have the opportunity to talk to people, you know, a head coach that's working the camp with you, um, an assistant coach that's high up on a staff that's working a clinic with you, or you're sitting in a clinic audience with them to more, you know, strike up conversations in that regard, I think is the best way to build your network and feel comfortable doing it. I know there's other ways to do it and there's there's other methods that people utilize, uh, conventions and the Final Four and the NABC and stuff like that. But I really think if you're a career learner, While you're networking, you can also be building your own knowledge base. And I think that's kind of how we all want to operate anyways. Can I get better at coaching while I'm searching for advancing in coaching? um, I can kind of kill two birds with one stone. So that would be my biggest advice is if you're seeking out X's and O's, schemes, culture, any information to make you a better coach, along the way you have no choice but to bump into people and then, you know, following up and, and making that a genuine relationship.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff. Do you think, you know, I think, you know, I've been to the, the convention a few times at the Final right. Four, and there's things of that nature. Um, I mean, do you take people uh, seriously, I guess, if people like started name-dropping and things like right. that? I mean, not maybe your style, but does that come you know, across as or?
2: Right. No, I, I get, you know, I, I tell people a lot to go into the convention. You know, you, when you go in front of the, the lobby of the convention center, it's just a polo festival and everyone's got their school on, you know, I can't tell you how many times somebody's come up to me and said, great year, coach, because my polo said Bearcats, and they made a mistake if you were Cincinnati, because I know we didn't have a good season, even (laughs) though you're telling me these things, but I think it's how you approach it at conventions or clinics, you know, Vegas for the Nike clinics, I think it's how you approach the experience, I think when you're younger, conventions and clinics are a great place to go have fun and have a couple beverages, and you kind of lose sight of why you're there, but it's It's hard not to if you're in Vegas or Atlanta or different places. I think once you get that experience out of the way of just sheer enjoyment, the next time you go, it's scheduling before you go there. Like, hey, coach, I will be at this place. Can we meet up for a coffee while we're in New Orleans? You know, that is a more strategic way to do it. I think the cold call approach is really hard. Um, Now, I will say I hired a head high school coach out of Florida to our staff um, Coach John Willis, who's now at, did four years with us and is now at Linfield with Coach Rosenberg, he was up at eight a.m. on a bus in Dallas with me because Dallas is set up for the Final Four is so crazy and so spread out. You got to take charter buses just to go from your hotel to the clinics. He was one of the few people on the eight a.m. bus to a clinic, and you know I took mental note like, hey, somebody else isn't hungover like me going to an eight a.m. And then <laughs> he sat next to me, just randomly in the in the audience, we were watching Mick Cronin who's at UCLA now, he was at Cincinnati at the time, and he was talking defense. And in the middle of this lecture, you know, we just struck up a conversation about our notes. And for the rest of that weekend, you know, you got to give him a lot of credit. He strategically found me in clinics and places and got to share basketball knowledge. It was less selling himself and more just exchanging what they did against zone and what they did against man-to-man and what we did. And in that way, you know, we really developed a relationship. Two Two months later, when I did have an opening, he was a guy I thought of. So that's a successful convention story. I think the cold call approach, right, is really hard. You know, it's it's really tough to just say, Hey, I'm John from this. You know, what I can't stand, to be honest with you, is people that lead conversations there with, Hey, I'm Coach John, 27 and five this year. And there's a lot of that. You've been in, you hear it, and you're just like, You got to be kidding me! Like, you, just please stop. Um, for, so for me, that approach doesn't work, but the genuine discussions about the basketball being presented is, is cool. You know, I think that's a way to kind of break the ice, so to speak. And maybe that's just my method, but it, it did work for me with, uh, coach Willis.
1: Yeah. When you're, when you're looking to hire, uh, an assistant coach, let's say, I mean, is there certain knowledge that you prioritize? Are there others, uh, obviously at the college level, you know, you got recruiting and skill development and basketball right. knowledge is, what does that kind of look like for you?
2: Great question. You know, for me, i started with the same place we start our recruits. I give them the foundation of our program, and that is, do you believe basketball is a tool to teach life? Are you in the business of creating men, molding a family, and leaving a legacy? And I really do start there. And from that point on, if we're on the same page with how we want to – what is our ultimate goal with young men, the scheme stuff, can come later. You know, I'm really more interested in is their purpose in basketball, self advancement, or advancement of their players that they experience? Um, because for us at the D3 level, there's 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 less time for the on the court player development because the NCA rules are different for us, and more time that we can develop a human. So I need to see if their if their base for me is in the same if we have the same core values, what we talk about with offense can come. You know, and so then I I really do look for a career learner. And I look for proof that they can take information and solve problems. You know, I think when you need it, when you have an assistant, you want to be able to assign or task delegate and not have to guide their quest to find the answer. You want to say, hey, here's the problem A, bring back to me B through G solutions. And then hopefully that person is very capable of going to search and find. Um, so that, that's been big for me in these things. So Coach Willis, I mean, I've, I've been so lucky. Coach Nathan Coville, I've been coach Chris Horton now. I've really been lucky and found guys that either had the, had, that number one had the same core motivation, but number two really filled in holes where I wasn't, you know, I'm not great. And then they really complimented me well in going towards the same ultimate purpose, which is creating great, great men.
1: Oh, absolutely, uh, Coach. Going to talk about high school players a little bit uh, now. Yeah. Uh, what are some things that that high school coaches can do uh, to better prepare kids for the college level?
2: Great question. That's a great question. Um, I think it really is a solutions based approach to your skill development, and and what I mean by that is I know we all have systems and ways we want to play on both sides of the ball. But the kids that are better prepared to make an impact early in college are the ones that you guys have done a great job giving, uh, teaching them to find multiple ways to solve something that doesn't require you to call it out. You know, and then what I mean by that is I don't want to be an offensive defensive coordinator in football that calls every set, calls every possession, and tries to solve every potential thing the defense can do with a play call. I Hopefully, I'm teaching the game enough to where the player is like, hey, if we're I can he can run ball screen kips and he can run it against every version of defense because we've taught him solutions that he can employ. So it's really that decision making piece um, that that I think helps freshmen be impactful early. And then really, if it's true skill set, I think the defensive impact is so important right away. Can they can they stay in front of their guy and we don't have to help constantly when they're on the floor? And that's something we weren't very good at this year. You know, we had a great group of freshmen that started seventy games for us. Between the the group of them, the six of them that played a ton, we got seventy points a game, uh but we're still not good enough defensively, you know, and that's on me too. Don't get me wrong, that's not me pointing it to high school coaches, but there's a lot of zone stuff in high schools, and yeah, there's zone in college too, but if we gotta rotate constantly to help him, whether it's in zone or man, we just can't guard at our level, especially division three the the shooting at division three is through the roof. So if you're in constant scramble mode because you just can't contain it one on one, you you can't be
1: successful. Yeah. Absolutely. What, what are some things that you do? I think, you know, teaching decision making is something that's yeah. really caught on recently. Um, you know, whether it's with Chris Oliver and yeah. some of the stuff that he does or, I uh, mean, are there certain things you do, you know, maybe in particular with freshmen or your, your new guys to yeah. kind of help with that decision making?
2: great point I think it's a it's uh being aware and like you mentioned Chris Oliver a great resource basketball immersion Brian McCormick another great resource for this thought process is how can I set up stuff in practice or workouts that I can shut up and be quiet during but also present them with multiple things so my example would be a lot of us do you know hey you're gonna get 100 shots up today and there's nothing wrong with that you know in and of itself but that can't be than expecting game decision-making to be – they're good at it. He's good at the skill of shooting. He's not good at the at the, the, the decision of should I shoot this? How mm-hmm. much space do I need to shoot this? Is it the shot we need in the time frame? So what we've tried to do, okay, we're still going to get, say, 20 shots in this segment, but we're going to add a defender on the close and a defender on the help to the shooter. We're not going to start them in the same spot. Like the defenders are going to be in random locations to vary up the decision-making. And then as a coach, i got to shut up. i got to be quiet and let the 20 things happen so I can truly get a feel for what is the decision that he's struggling with truly. Because if I stop it after the first one, maybe that was a one-time event that he messed up. If I let it go for 20, I might see something he messes up six times, and that's the true decision we're struggling with. So I think that's what we've tried to figure it out as a staff, but we still got a long ways to go. Um, But I think it's trying to find out how do we present multiple choices in a drill, and and we got to be
1: quiet. It's just oftentimes difficult for us as coaches to do, right? (laughs) Oh my
2: gosh, so hard! uh, We call it talk to reps tracking. So if I'm presenting, say, at the shell situation, right, my uh, quality control assistant will track, okay, Kip started talking at the seven-minute mark on the clock. He was done getting the drill ready to launch by 6.02, right? So there's 58 seconds of talk. Then he's going to track how long the drill goes before I ruin it with my mouth. So let's say it goes, you know, two minutes and 30 seconds of the kid's repping. He's tracking, okay, the kid's got 14 reps. Kip started talking again after three minutes. So that's my score today. One minute, talk, three minutes, rep, 10 reps, and then we'll track that all year. Um, and we've been doing that for about three years now. I've been lucky enough. Uh, my brother's the defensive coordinator at Montana State, so I embedded with them uh, for two days to see how football coaches do it. I was lucky enough. Uh, the wide receivers coach at Oregon State, Defense Henson, is a college friend of mine. He played at Willamette, so he let me embed with them for a day. Just to kick comps, like. Where what what is the right ratio? And I tell you, football coaches have it are way better at this than us. I don't know if it's because they, they teach the drills up front sooner, but I mean Confempt was eleven seconds of talking, four minutes of reps. And it was so impressive of how they go about it. Um so you know, goals and trying to figure out how can we bump ourselves a little bit, but also where's the quality lost if we just let a free for all have you know, all those questions that happen. Mm-hmm. But I, I enjoy that search. You know, I enjoy trying yeah. to figure those things out.
1: Do, do you have a goal uh, that you kind of set at the beginning of the year or just, just a yeah. goal? Maybe you do more talking at the beginning and then you're trying yeah, to back right. a little bit. Right.
2: I think with our new, if we have a new staff member, uh, we've figured out that when we first start and do this, if we can at least get a one-to-one ratio, mm-hmm. it's a good start because um, we review it every week where we're at. And I think over the course of the three, four years we've done it, a two-to-one ratio has been pretty pretty good for us. Um, we, we'll go back on past years, like, okay, last year when we did press break stuff, what what was it looking like with our talk to reps? And this year, okay, we did it this way. We talked a little less, but, God, we were worse at press break. So is that me or is that the setup? Is that just the scheme? You know, so all the, it's kind of a – you can definitely end up in a rabbit hole but i would say 2 to 1 is a good goal if you can keep your talking under a minute and then get your your rep time to 2 minutes i think you you've got a good you've got a good foundation
1: yeah that's good stuff uh coach a NCAA division 3 school um, can you kind of talk about how that's different as far as yeah. player development recruiting right. uh things of that nature
2: Yep, for sure. You know, and, I, you know, number one thing that, you know, I think do D3 we've got to do a better job of fighting this stigma is, oh, because we don't give you money for being good at basketball, it's just a bunch of book nerds that show up on the weekends, you know, which couldn't be farther from the truth. We we've we get, you know, Willamette gives out our class last year of our seven freshmen got an average of about $42,000 in financial aid and scholarship money, and that's because they're smart. You know, and that's made meet some family need stuff. So I think sometimes we got to fight that better. And then I think Division three is about three inches. So bigs in our league are probably six seven, six eight. Division two, Division one, they're six ten, six eleven, right? Mm-hmm. So there's more five ten guards in our league. Uh, but the shooting at Division three is through the roof, like I mentioned before. You know, our entire roster and everybody in our conference is all league, all state kids. Uh, sometimes it's just a matter of maybe you were later in development. Uh, maybe you're just three inches on your vertical compared to a compatriot in division one. Um, this is not me saying that division three is the same level as division one, but it's a highly competitive level. You know, we'll play NAIs every year and our conference finishes 500 against NAI scholarship schools. So in that regard, the, the basketball is very high level. The coaching is high level. And that has nothing to do with me. That has to do with everybody I go up against. And they're so good because there's less people that you can give the ball to in space and just say, Go. The schemes and the ways people play offense and defense are super high level. Uh, you know, the coaches I go up against serve me a lot of humble pie every Friday, Saturday, because it's, it's very high level thinking of the game. It's very progressive thinking of the game. And then in terms of the off season, I think that's where you'll find another big difference, which can be good and bad. Frustrating for a coach because in our off seasons we cannot have the x amount of hours and in individual workout on the floor and in the weight room with our players that Division One, Division Two can. Um, our players are still putting in that time. The difference is they're doing it for each other, and they're running it. They'll, they're, we provide workouts. We provide lifting programs, but they have to run it. The captains have to run it. The teammates have to run it. So in some ways, it's very frustrating as a coach because you'd love to be able to coach more, but it's better for team culture because you only are going to go do it if you care about your brothers. Uh, so in that regard, it's a good thing. But it is, it is frustrating because we'd like to have more hands-on time. Uh, March through October with our guys and we do, uh, but that does allow us character development time. It allows us to deep dive academic stuff. So on um, in that part, it's a good thing as well.
1: Yeah. Is there, you know, certain characteristics of maybe students? I mean, you talk about high academic achievement, right. obviously, but are there other certain characteristics maybe that, that you're going to look at, uh, as a division three head coach that, that is going to be different from a NAIA or division one right, right. coach?
2: You know, I would hope that the GPA achieved is a testament to a kid's time management skills and their ability to prioritize what's important in their day. Um, a lot of things we spend time with with recruits talking about is, hey, man, how do you know where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be right now if a bell doesn't send you there? You know, the high school setup with bell ringing. Right. And then we, you know, we listen. You know, a lot of kids, and it's not a character judgment at all. It's like, oh, coach, it's in my head. It's in my, you know, it's a, I got a sticky note. And that ain't going to work. You know, in college, that's not going to work. So, we try, we spend a lot of time teaching Google Calendar because, you know, when they get out in the world, their life's going to be on some version of an office or a business or a family's calendar scheduling. And how do you make appointments, meet appointments, set appointments? Uh, So, that part for us is big. It's hard to digest because, you know, coaches like yourself usually tell us really good things, and they're mostly true. But the you know, the time management piece, can we get it from a teacher, can we get it from a counselor? Is the three seven six GPA median that we look for? Is that enough of a testament to say he's got this figured out? Um so that, that part that part gets tricky, but you know, we've we've been an all NAB all NABC academic team for six straight years and that is we got we find the right kids that wanted to give a damn about school, right? And and yeah. then that culture kind of breeds itself to, hey, we do go to study hall here. We do track our class attendance here and seniors, teachers, and freshmen, that this is important. This is a place we want to win um, and, and stand out from our competitors.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last question for the first segment, coaches, is how can high school coaches help their players with the recruiting process? That's I think, awesome. you know, every time recruits get overwhelmed, right? Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, how can we as high school coaches help those kids?
2: That's awesome. I wish there was a standardized way to find your guys' contact information as high school coaches. Because some websites and some programs with their own web pages have fantastic access to the coach, the assistant coach, how do I get you? Other places, man, it's like being in the FBI trying to search down head coaches information. <laughs> and, you know, so that part makes it tough and that I think that leads to some of the frustration from high school coaches versus AAU coaches. Because we just can't, we don't contact you guys as much because we just don't have your contact info. And the AAU guys are throwing it in our face. You know, we can get a hold of them quicker. So I think access, making sure you're accessible. And then I think convincing your student-athletes that no matter who contacts you, you need to respond. And you need to respond in a timely manner, even if you have no desire to play at that particular place. Um, Coaching community is very tight-knit community you know Mm -hmm. if you are a kid that doesn't respond to one coach that's going to get out that you might be less reliable in the community as a whole and you never quite know what level you're going to be at you know everybody has the aspirational dreams and we tell kids all the time if you've got a d1 full ride scholarship i will drive you to the airport see you later i get it (laughs) um but off you know you you and i both know the numbers on that are going to be very rare um so it's okay to be like yeah i got a d3 opportunity to keep playing basketball and that is awesome um so i think that awareness of you need to be keep all your options on the table and the way to do that is being reliable in texting back a coach reliable in responding to an email to a coach even if you know in the back of your mind it's not going to be a place you end up it's a nice you're showing yourself off and that can only help you in the long run as you search a place. I think those are probably the two big ones to start with. And then as high school coaches, teaching them what film and helping them create the film that will be watched. It's very easy. And I know in our seasons and you guys are just as busy as us, it's easy to send a full game film. Well, no coach in America is watching a full game. It's just not going to happen. We don't have the time. You know, even at D3 level, we're getting five, six referrals a day. um, So we're not going to watch a full film. And then also I'm not going to, you put as much stock in a highlight film that shows a kid making one, three, and 17 different games. But if I get a highlight cut up of their best game in all avenues of what they did, mm-hmm. shots made, missed, field goals, fouls, rebounds, all of it, and it's five minutes, we are going to watch that. We are going to digest that right away quicker. And I think that helps kids get on big boards sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah. Is there anything that would you encourage, I should say, I'm rephrasing this question, Kids to to maybe reach out as well, you know, maybe for not sure. all kids are, are in AAU or or right. uh, they're not on your big board yet. I mean, how can they yeah. do that in a in a in a good way so that you're absolutely. not like, oh, this kid sending another email sort of
2: thing? <laughs> no, I think that's a great. Absolutely, recruit yourself. Don't wait for us. Um, and I think it's okay as a sophomore, Um and as a you know early semester junior to work with your coach, work with your family, and say, here's where I think I am, work with, you know, any of your coaches, let me hit up 50 of these schools with an introduction email, who I am, what's my GPA, I'd like to play college basketball, what do I need to do? And even if you only go six of 50 in that email send, now you have a list. You know, now you're on six people's radar. And most of us, sometimes it's hard to get the head coach, especially upper levels. You know, they're not reading their emails. That's just not how their job is set up. But if you can find the lead assistant in a lot of the scholarship programs, will have labeled recruiting coordinators. Um, even us now in our levels, we have those, uh, that label for our coaches. If you can hit those guys as two, then you know somebody's reading it. You just need your name floating around an office somewhere, somehow.
1: Absolutely. That's good stuff. Thanks, coach. Yep. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll return with more from coach I right after this on the Oregon Basketball Coaches podcast.
0: Want more from the Oregon Basketball Coaches podcast? Visit our website at anchor.fm/obca or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify. Welcome
1: back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Derek Dumen here with Willamette University men's basketball coach Kip Ione. Uh, coach, we got to talk about recruiting and and uh, kind of coaching at the college level a little bit in that first segment. I want to turn to uh, something that you do specifically at Willamette University that I, that I think is really great um, and something that I think is really valuable for for any team, whether it's high school, college, et cetera, um, and that's your your Teams of Men program. Uh, Can you kind of describe what that is and, and how you got that started?
2: For sure. Uh So teams of men, the character development program that, that we do at Willamette is a character-based appra- – It's a it's an approach to I need to coach these guys in their development as a human just as much, if not more, in their development as a basketball player. So it's 15 to 20 contact points throughout the year. All four years they play for us that are based in teaching them healthy manhood, healthy masculinity um, to help them shape a self identity that we think is, is helpful. And also if we were combating those bad stereotypes of men, those uh, toxic traits of men that can lead you when you're trying to prove that to someone to do stupid stuff, the stuff you see in the news, the sexual assaults, the domestic violence, the aggressions towards others, the stupid statements, social media posting that's all meant to prove how big of a man you are. Our program is designed to create guys that have a better awareness of self and therefore can avoid those pitfalls. But probably more importantly, even when they're older, go out and share that information with younger men, um, younger boys in high school, junior high, elementary school, to try to help some of that stuff stem some of the tide of some of those behaviors that are all based in that. Let me prove my muscles. Let me prove my sexual prominence. Let me prove all my greatness to you um and that's going to lead me down paths we don't want. So that's with the we just wrapped up our 7th year we'll be going into our 8th year of that program. I actually have a teams of men LLC now too to help coaches um in all levels and athletic directors kind of help them find paths where they can not necessarily take exactly what we do but find their own way to teach character in their program the way they want to.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. What are I'm... Can you give me some examples maybe of some of the benefits? I mean, how, how have you seen yeah. kids change over the course of, of four years in your program with that team's have been?
2: Right. Great question. Well, I think it starts with their ability to communicate on deeper levels than, hello, what's up, I'm good. You know, it, it, it expands kids' ability to exist in a room and express themselves in a way that they're going to need in the world, right, whether that's in the, a relationship with a significant other whether that's in a relationship with professor, whether that's in a relationship with coworkers or a boss, or when they're leading somebody, I think it opens up their communication avenues because we force them to express themselves in these settings. It's not right away as a freshman. It's a tiered graduated program, so freshmen are doing a lot more reading and listening. But by the time they're a junior and a senior, we're expecting them to be able to exist in those uncomfortable conversations. So that's, I think, where you see the first step up. And the first benefit for us is, Suddenly, this guard is way more vocal than he was as a freshman, both in the locker room, on the bus, in the plane, but on the floor. Because if you've talked about, you know, porn addiction, it's pretty easy to talk about ball screen. So, you know, that's a benefit for us. And I think in general, um, for me as a coach, um, I I see success, and this is not because of me, so to speak, but I see success from our guys in graduate school settings, in internship settings, I get reports back from their supervisors of their ability to coexist in different groups. And that's a skill set that we all need, no matter what our job is, you're going to have to work with other people, other genders, other beliefs, other political backgrounds. And so if they have a better sense of self uh, and are constantly looking inward rather than just acting on old, old beliefs, I think that sets them up for success sooner rather than later. So we see that and that's, That's always heartwarming when you get those references back or you do a reference call for a kid that's getting an internship or his first job and and you can talk about this character development program. I think it puts employers' minds at ease.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, Can you talk about – do you lead all of these discussions? Do your assistants lead? I mean, what what does that look like?
2: Yeah, we try to find the right balance. You know, one of the things I try to tell my guys from the very beginning is please don't think. This is me trying to create an army of KIPs because my wife would let everyone in the world know we don't need any more KIPs. Uh, there's, uh, there's plenty of me to go around. So I want them to be the best version of themselves. So that does need me to leave. I need to be the accountability piece that when we have a meeting, a reading, a video viewing, an assignment, I can be the hammer that makes you do it. That doesn't mean I'm always in the front of the room. Uh, I think it's helpful that my staff and I are in a lot of the meetings and sharing our own faults and our own failures uh, to open up the guys to being willing to do the same uh, and we're not presenting ourselves as perfect models. But we've also had a lot of success bringing in outside people, uh, having team only captain led meetings where they can be even more honest. There might be stuff they don't, they want to share, but not with me. And that's okay. I, I understand that. And they want to, I want some of the, outside resources we use to get the true measure of the room. So, a lot of times we will leave. Uh, So, it's it's striking that balance over the course of those 15 to 20 touch points. You know, I would say we're probably heavily involved in 50% of them. That's
1: great. Um, You know, you talked about 50 to 20 touch points per year, right? So, you're looking at 60 to 80 uh, by the time they graduate. Um, Right. You, do you talk about the same things every year? I mean, how do you how do you get right. to that many to, to keep that valuable? Right.
2: And I know, as you know, Coach, the second we get boring, they turn off. So they can sw- switch the screen on their phone every nine seconds. So they're going to do the same to us if it's the same. So that's why we've had success hearing the program. So what the freshman does, he will not repeat as a sophomore. What the sophomore does, he will not repeat as a junior, um, and we do we accomplish some of these things too. With the sophomore coming back and teaching the freshmen something they learned previously, um, we also are heavily reliant on help. You know, uh, I've got great relationships with people in the Oregon Sexual Assault Task Force, the Idaho Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Uh, the campus advocate, Andrea Humeyer on campus, the Title IX coordinator. So asking them, you know, for resources and new models and new ways to look at things. And also it's great for me, like I mentioned before, searching out offense in the off season. I'm also searching out current events and conventions, stories, studies about our topics for the coming year in character development. So there are some stalwarts and some things we've used all seven years and some things we've used one year. And, and swapped out. So it, it, you know, it's probably similar to offense and defense. There's some core beliefs that we want to make sure we always do, some core DNA, but then how we teach those can be different every year.
1: Great. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. And so how what you're how you're teaching it might change from year to right. year. But the topic, right. so, I mean, there's, you know, uh, we use the Macho Paradox
2: book heavily the first 4 or 5 years by Jackson Katz. And recently, he's got new material. So we've kind of swapped out some of the Macho Paradox stuff for new material. Or we um, had the opportunity for different speakers that came and talked to us. So we used their material for a year. And then when we met up with another speaker, you know, we could swap that out. So there's, And to be honest with you, Twitter and social media and current events and athletes' mistakes never fail to give us fresh information. Uh, We'd love that, you know, the steady news source of assaults and rapes to be a lot less, but unfortunately it's not. So those are always relevant teaching points we can use and bring into a room and just screenshot a Twitter feed. All you got to do is read comments on something, and you can see examples of the toxic behaviors we're trying to fight. So that allows me to, you know, in the moment when I'm short on something, it's very easy to get a current event.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know. I, I saw on uh, Twitter this recent year. I mean, it was Sabrina Ionescu, You know, yep. someone tweeted tweeted some stuff about her and her fantastic yep. career. And you know, you only have to read five comments to see that yep. ma- macho <laughs> exactly. machismo stuff that you're we talking about. <clears throat> so
2: yeah, and that and that is and it's great discussion points. You know, so sometimes you know, I'm, I know I'm fired up about a topic. So I might, I might dominate a conversation for a little bit, but I know other times if I put three or four options up from things that have happened in the last month, mm-hmm. there's going to be groups of guys that gravitate towards each one and we can just let them go talk in groups and I can be quiet. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's trying to find that balance of when I'm needed to push a conversation forward um, and when I can just get the hell out of the way.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Coach, how do you, you know, I think the material you you cover is obviously pretty engaging, and uh, obviously it's a team experience, and so you have that, but, you know, some of these conversations are really hard to have with these kids, right? I mean, how do you um, encourage them, you know, without kind of being like, I don't know, hey, if you don't do this, you're not part of the team. You know what I'm saying? There's a fine line here. Yeah,
2: I think you all, and I learned this, you know, I got to give Carly Roner uh, and Andrea, who have been both been in the, in the, the campus, advocate, uh, campus Title IX person and campus advocate, teaching me how to try to install some safety regimens in the room every time. Uh, so trying to lead with, listen, we are not presenting this material in an accusatory way that all 17 of you gentlemen in here are predators. We are not doing that at all. You know, trying to present you guys are part of the solution, and I need to give you the tools to go be the solution. Um, also letting people know that, you know, we could we could use some triggering words. You know, when I've done some cross-gender teams and talked to, uh, you know, teams that identify as mostly female, that's a tough environment. So that that's the one where you need to make sure you, you are providing space and the ability to leave the room if you need to, because you never know where people are entering a discussion from. What's their experience with your discussion? Um, so it's definitely navigating those waters and then allowing kids. I think we've tried to – hear the the responses we expect by the maturity level of a kid. So freshmen, we very rarely expect out loud discussion from them, but we will require, we'll allow them to turn in their thoughts anonymously on a Google doc. So you got to turn it in. Only coach is going to see it. Nobody else is. And then maybe by the time second semester of their freshman year, they're ready to put their name on that word, you know, on that written word. And then by the time they're sophomores, they're ready to teach, The younger freshmen, not the juniors, are seeing, you know, trying to change the audience for them and Mm -hmm. hear their progression and responses. It's easier to fill out a quiz on something than share your reflections on the amount of rapes that take place on college campuses. But you might be willing to answer A, B, C, and D on 10 questions, and at least we can get some work done that way. Yeah, no,
1: absolutely. Um, obviously at at the collegiate level uh you guys can have some some pretty real conversations on some some pretty real topics uh yeah. you know rape uh being being the big one uh, that i can think of um which might be a little heavy for the high school level yeah. um how if you were to be a high school coach or if you were to a high school coach was trying to start something similar how would you yeah. kind of adapt to what you do now to to meet a different audience that's mostly high school-based?
2: No, that's a great question. I think it's important for each coach to have a great feel for the temperature of their team room. Uh, Because one person's team room might be more equipped for a heavier conversation than another, and it might change the next year with the dynamic of your team. I think an easy place to start is what is the language we expect and will tolerate in our team room. So you can start with the F-bomb rule. Hey, we're just not going to say fuck anymore in this team. We're not going to do it. And if somebody does it, we're going to institute push-up ladders or, you know, we do that. And I, unfortunately, you know, you have a season with the win-loss record we did. I did a lot of push-ups. But as long as as we are all doing it, I think you're accountable. And then you can start with, you know what else we're not going to say? We're not going to say bitch, hoe, anything derogatory to a a female identified. And we're not going to say anything like that. that. We're just going to eliminate the words and start there and see how that takes um, and kind of socially, or norm, social norming your team room um, is maybe a way to go. Hey guys, I love your hip hop music. Got to be edited. I'm not going to tell you what song you can can or can't play, but it has to be a clean version. In um, that way, maybe that's starting to normalize. We're going to really think about what is being said and what are we allowing to be said when we're all together. And maybe that's a good starting point. No, no I agree.
1: Um, you mentioned that you, you've started an, an LLC, so that might answer my next question here. But um, what are some resources uh, that yeah. high school coaches can can kind of reach out to to, to get something like this
2: started? For sure, for sure. You know, I, I think there's there's a lot of people on Twitter that do a lot of great work. You know, if you follow Brenda Tracy, if you follow Alexis Jones, if you follow Ran R-A-I-N-N, if you saw if you follow the NSRV. Um, all those are easy handles, and we make our players follow those also because that just gives you information throughout the scrolls because we're all going to scroll during the day. That keeps content relevant and fresh in your brain. That's a great place to start. Um, for us in the Malamit side of this thing, if you're at a point where you'd like just somebody else to start this conversation, that's what our seniors do. It's their capstone presentation. So if you're an Oregon coach. Um, I get you two of my guys we can do we've done it via you know zoom calls did locker rooms and we're still in Salem and they were you know five hours away we've also sent our guys on site and they'll give a 30 to 45 minute talk before your practice about you know being a quality man Um, and as far as my resources the teams at LLC there's various ways man there's activities we can share with you. There's successful calendars we can share. There's obviously on-site workshops, me coming to your campus and working with you to try to develop and create content that fits you. And I've talked to a lot of coaches too that, Coach, I'm not as uh, comfortable with the sexual assault stuff, but I do want to be big on accountability. You know, that's great. Let's do it. Let's work on a calendar and let's find uh, resources. And is it accessible? Is it accountable for what you're passionate about? You know, if it is specifically similar to us, Obviously, we're going to be in the greatest greater resource, but I think in general character, thinking about character is worth our time. And so I think that's, that's the best ways I can help folks. And obviously, like you mentioned, all my contact information will be available after this Hitting you know, and I think that's why I've been successful with it is because I'm not afraid to say, I have no idea. Let me go find somebody that does and, you know, connect them in that way as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I know I've, I've heard you speak at a clinic. Obviously it helps. Willamette University is right across from uh, the state capitol and so you've exactly. got a lot of resources there. Uh, right. But even I think within, you know, people's city and county, I think there's resources. Um, I know that the last couple of years, our program, uh, our JV team has gone and played at McLaren Youth Correctional Facility. Oh, and yeah. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: it's been, it's been a really good opportunity for our kids. Uh, And and we get to talk about – this year we had our school resource officer come in and talk about um, the mandatory minimums and and what that looks like and how, you know, Uh a lot of these kids are are actually really good kids. They just made one mistake, and because of this law, um, they have to be there for, you know, an indeterminate amount of time. And so um, I do know – yeah, I do know someone that has – uh done something similar, uh not quite to the level that you guys do it, uh, but there are resources out there. I think coaches, uh obviously we've got a lot going on, but it never hurts to right. ask somebody, right? You
2: know, if we on that same line, wow. like if you like, if you and I wanted to figure out how to guard ball screen better, we would have no problem searching the world for the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Um I think we stop ourselves short sometimes on these, like, oh I don't know how to do that because cause it's outside of our comfort zones. But the same amount of resources exist. That, that's really cool you guys are doing that.
1: Yeah. Um, do, do you guys talk about mental health in your in oh, your Teams man. of Men program? Because yeah. that's definitely something that's been on the rise. Um, yeah.
2: Fantastic. I think what is our Teams of Men, I'll, I'll kind of give two paths on this. Teams of Men and the, the culture of sharing and getting over the stigma of vulnerability. Men that really have a problem. Sharing that they're wounded, sharing that they're hurt, sharing that they have stress. Uh, So I think the teams of men has allowed more and more of my players to express to me in a private setting later, coach, I'm really struggling. And that has been a huge benefit of the program is being able to say, hey, man, welcome to the team. I deal with anxiety myself and opening up to them. But then as a coach, you know, we want to be the fixer. Like I can take a timeout and fix this, right? But in mental health, you've got to be a connector. So how can I get you to the resources at Willamette and the resources in Salem to help you with this? Because I, I, as much as I love you and I want to be here for you, I can't be your therapist. So mm-hmm. for sure, it's opening them up and being creating an environment where they can share with you that they are having issues. And then because they're over the stigma of men can't be hurt, men can't be weak. And then also being able, once a kid does come to your office and talk to you, what would be my answer? To coach, i really struggle. I feel depressed. Coach, I feel stressed. But where would I send this kid? Uh, because he took step one. How can I keep him going down the path?
1: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. That's, that's great stuff. Thank you, coach. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, when we return, Coach I Own will try to beat the shot clock here <laughs> on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast.
0: Want to learn more about the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association and how we can support you? Check out our website at www.or.nhsbca.org. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches
1: Podcast. We're talking with Kip Ione, men's basketball coach at Willamette University. Um, Coach, for our next segment, uh, I I call it the shot clock segment. So what I do... um, is I'll put 35 seconds on the clock, uh, and I'm gonna ask you some rapid fire questions, that cover a variety of different, uh, basketball, uh, topics. Uh, most of them are gonna be one or two word answers. Uh, and, and we're gonna try to see if, uh, how many we can get done, what our ball movement looks like. Uh, I love it. I love and, it. Uh, we'll get, it, we'll get it going here. Sound good?
2: Yeah, great idea.
1: Okay. Alrighty. Uh, starting, now, do you think Oregon high school basketball should have a shot clap?
2: 100%.
1: If you're up three points with less than 10 seconds, do you foul?
2: Under five, yes.
1: How big of a lead do you need before you pull off a press? Ooh, 20. What's your favorite way to guard on-ball screens? Switch. Do you think the high school three-point line should be moved back? Yes. What's your favorite pregame meal?
2: Ooh. A Jimmy John's club sandwich.
1: How do you celebrate after a big win?
2: Man, it used to be with beverages. Now I go home and smile on the couch and relax for five minutes.
1: What's one word officials would use to describe you?
2: Ooh, cynic. Cynic, that's fantastic.
1: <laughs> that's great. Good stuff, coach. That's time. Well done. That was good. <laughs> that was a great play. Like someone is used to the shot clock, right there. That's that's that's, that's high level. Nice job. We
2: did not have a lot of shot clock violations this year, but that's because we took a lot of poor early shots.
1: (laughs) Okay, there you go. That's on me. That's That's awesome. Um, Coach, I like to to spend a little bit of time, obviously, um, you know, in Oregon, there is no, there's no shot clock in high school basketball. It's become a a hot topic, not only in the state, but, but across the country. Um, you know from a college coach 's perspective, I know you say you 're in favor of the shot clock. Can you kind of expound on why?
2: I think it is I think not having a shot clock is preventing Oregon high school kids from being better prepared to be freshman college basketball players they 're playing a different game they 're yeah. not being forced with the number of decisions that need to be processed in a short amount of time that they are in college and this is there 's great coaching. In Oregon, this is not a slander of any of the coaches in Oregon. Oregon coaching is phenomenal, but a lot of it is patterned offense. And if you you don't have the time to let a pattern work in college, so the kids are not used to the quicker decisions. Um, And that is really – that hurts Oregon kids, I feel like, in the recruiting process. not that they don't go on and still succeed, absolutely. It just takes longer. It's a bigger jump. Um, and it's not; it's just not modern. The game is moving, and I think Oregon needs to catch
1: up with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it goes back to kind of the decision making that we were talking about a little bit earlier, right? That was one of those things yeah. that that you think that high school coaches can 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 maybe improve and help kids prepare for the next level. Um, it's absolutely. just one other decision you have to make, right? Um, I
2: think, and sometimes the Oregon the Oregon coaches and other. I'm from Montana. There's no shot clock in Montana either, and the coaches there are so good and so able to dissect an opponent themselves from the bench and call out those adjustments that they're hesitant to lose that ability. And I, you know, I don't blame them. You're winning a lot of games because you can slice and dice somebody with your basketball IQ. I just think the game requires us to pass that IQ on to the players.
1: Absolutely. Now at the division three level, do you you have a 30 second shot clock? Is that right?
2: 30. Yep. And they're moving our three point line back this year too. Okay,
1: there you go, fantastic. So, uh, because I think you know, at the high school level, a lot of times shot clocks are thirty-five. Would you be okay with that, or do you think we should get to thirty right away?
2: I think whatever I I don't care if they make it forty, just to get it in. You know, I just think it's so vital to get it in. I think eventually getting is the national high school thirty-five.
1: So the national federation is actually illegal. So all the um, all the states that that have it are are breaking the the quote unquote. Oh, uh, wow.
2: so in that case, why not? Let's go to thirty. Yeah, <laughs> it better, better prepares kids, and it's a better game. It's a more free flowing game, I think basketball is supposed to be that way.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, so you mentioned, I mean, you guys are moving the three point line back. Uh, the three point yeah. shot, as you mentioned, is, is a really big part of the game, especially at, at the Division three level. Um, you think it should be moved back in high school as well. Uh, how how far back? I mean, should we match where you far? Just a little bit?
2: Yeah, I think if they took it back to where we previously were, that'd be good. And I, I have no I – mean, we're trying to take 33s a game ourselves, and we're going to finish hmm. fourth in the league in threes attempted. There's teams in our league taking 45. So I have no problem with people letting it fly. Don't get me wrong. But I think it requires some discipline in who takes it and when, and kids need a sooner evaluation. And I think moving it back in high school means they'll play on it when they're in junior high you know, when they're in middle school, when they're younger kids, they'll play on a deeper one and hopefully recognize, man, this isn't what I'm good at yet. Either I need to work on it or I need to get my ass to the rim.
1: Right. No, absolutely. I think, you know, some of the coaches I've talked to just mentioned the spacing of it too helps, right? By yeah, moving. That yeah,
2: great
1: point. It helps it helps with some of those things. Um Next thing I want to ask you about is kind of the, the transfer culture of today. Yeah. Um, obviously it's, uh, you know, with the transfer portal, uh, in the NCAA, you guys, you guys see that. Um, and it's becoming more and more popular at the high school level. Uh, kids are going to three or four different high schools in, in the span of four years. Right. Um, you know, what, what are your kind of thoughts on, on, our, on this transfer culture and, and, uh, how can we maybe improve that? Um, as we move yeah.
2: You know, I'm I, i I'm trying not to be the get-off-my-lawn old guy. I just turned 40, so I feel a little older than I used to. Um, I think there's a couple factors. One, and, I'll, you know, we got to own it on our end as coaches. Is my culture strong enough to make a kid want to stay if we're not the state champs? And mm-hmm. I say that because only one team can be. So I think that puts the onus on everybody. Like, no, we're probably not going to win the whole thing. So what else would make him stay here? Then I think on the flip side, though, parents got to look in the mirror and figure out what are they using the game for? It's the greatest game on the planet, but what is, the, what, what is what are you hoping it launches your son or daughter into, and how soon are you willing to take away the core value of the game? Because uh, I think if you're transferring three or four times in high school, you're either searching out what you believe to be winning, or you believe to be a better opportunity to launch towards a scholarship, right? And in college, you're most likely transferring for a better opportunity for you in general. So are you are you still grappling with selfishness as a human? Um, and that's not to say there's plenty there's some transfers that are you know closer to home, financial difficulty, absolutely, but a vast majority are unhappy with playing time. Um, so as a coach, have you, do you have a communication model that allows you to speak to kids in a way that they can understand and that they don't have to agree with you, but they can be resilient towards? And I'm not perfect. We've had transfers. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's plenty of kids that have a dartboard of Kip's face on it. Um, but it's something we discuss, you know, like what are we doing if this such and such transfer happens? Where are we laying the blame? And we can never default to 100% the child. It's some of it for sure. Some of it's mom and dad for sure, but some of it's in this office. What are we doing to make sure it doesn't happen to the next kid um, if we can do it? So I think there's so many layers to the conversation. Um, but it, I think we always have to start with internally, everybody involved in that decision, the coach, the player, and the parent. Internally, how are we digesting and what is the reasoning behind everything that's happened? Uh, I think that can help.
1: No, absolutely. That. That's great. Uh, I, I want to follow up on one of the things that you mentioned, you know, some, one of the reasons kids transfer is, uh, you know, if I go to school such and such, I'm going to have a better chance to be recruited or a better right. opportunity for a scholarship. I mean, as a exactly. college coach, is, is that something that's, that really resonates or are you going to find great the kid course. no matter where, where he's at? Yeah, or,
2: Yeah. no, great point. I mean, we got eight states on the roster. Um, So I think Division III, I think everybody casts a wide net that's not in the Power Five. Power Five can afford to be very specific and have pipelines that they can, you know, they mine for their NBA talent. And anywhere outside of that, you are casting a net to where you can find the skill set and the human you're looking for. I got to be honest with you, I don't think we've, when we hear about a kid's transferred a couple times, a red flag goes up immediately doesn't mean we haven't taken kids that have been high school transfers but it's been a lot more work on our end to figure out am i signing up for another headache um so i think that plays a factor and i think some of what we talked about earlier if you're a kid that's worried about i'm a junior no one's talked to me i got to transfer schools the problem was you didn't self-recruit yourself when you were a sophomore you didn't get your name out there it's not the coach's fault it's not that you kids have this fallacy that if they're in the state title coach k coach altman D1s are going to be at the game. No, they're not. They're going to be at their Pac-12 tournament. They're not going to be at your game. They're not going to just see you at the state tournament and decide, oh, he had 25 in the quarterfinal. Now we're going to recruit him. Like I'm, we, already, we had three recruits done by Thanksgiving, and we had a pretty poor year as a Division three school. So imagine where these other schools are in terms of being out in front of recruiting kids before you even step on the court as a senior. So I think there's some of that, too, that I can be recruited when I want to be. I've got to do some work for it. You know, I've got to, like you mentioned before, I've got to email. I've got to text. I've got to activate my high school coach and my club coach. And I can be seen. I can be seen in a Vegas third gym at a showcase. or I can be seen, um, you know, in an open gym in October if the right coaches know what's happening. You know, I can be seen at my high school playing open gym. So I think those things are all fallacies that parents, too, get caught up in, that if they have to be at a powerhouse school for a coach to be there, I'm not going to the powerhouse school's games either. i got enough to worry about during the week to play Whitman, you know, besides yeah. trying to get to a high school game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Um, last thing I'll, I have for you today something I, I should have asked in my first segment, but just thought about it. You know, when you call a coach to talk about a kid, uh, what are some of the questions that you're going to ask that coach?
2: Great question. I think one we've evolved to, and I wish I would have done sooner, is tell me about his communication style. Is he a one-word answer kid? Tell me about his learning style, or, you know, does he digest a game plan in print, in visual, or kinetically? Um, Tell me about the hardest thing he's been through. How did you feel he handled it? Um, Those things I've evolved past from. Hey, tell me what he does in ball screen. You know, if I'm looking at him, I've already liked the film. So the basketball on the court part probably isn't as important to me, but I've learned through goods and bads that these things that we're asking about now will really dictate how we deal with him on our campus. Um, You know, we've evolved to what what would his teammates say about him? I think that's a big one. Um, So those things are big. And I appreciate high school coaches. I've been lucky. A lot of high school coaches, club coaches, are very honest in their assessment. I think they always do a great job even when it's not they can't give a, you know a 10 out of 10 answer um they try to they try to explain to you the growth and the potential of the kid where he could get to if it's not already you know something that's perfect for them so it's it's a balancing act but I think those communication style learning style what would teammates say about you um are important to bring into your especially if you're if you really give a damn about your culture your culture is going to be better because you got great kids in there. You know, I'm not some Spengali that figured out the culture wand. We've recruited great kids that kind of yeah. drive the bus when I'm at home, so that that's important too.
1: Absolutely. Well, that's all I got for you today, Coach. Uh, I uh, want to thank you.
2: Great questions.
1: Oh, good, good, uh, and I I thank you for for sharing your expertise. I think there's a lot of good stuff in in today's episode for for coaches to to think about and reflect about. So, thank you.
2: Thank you, sir. Looking forward to having it posted.
1: All right. If you have any follow-up questions or want to get a hold of Coach Iom, you can find his contact information in the episode description. We hope you'll join us next time here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Until then,
0: coach them up. Thank you for listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Is there a coach you'd like to hear from or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? You can write us a message on the Anchor website or send us an email at oregonbasketballcoaches at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify.